Yo, it's been a long, long time coming. Back in the building, man. Another fresh episode, politics as usual. I'm your uh, moderator, moderator, semi-host of, of the event here, Matt Whitener, joined by uh, one half of our, our hosting duo, the good brother, DeMarco Davidson. Marco, what's going on, brother? Man, just trying to maintain my sanity, brother. So, so great to be back, though. Uh, and I can't wait to 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 uh, to the other the other uh, dynamic, the other half of the dynamic duo returns as well. Uh, yeah, so he had to run off into like a fire, like save the world yeah. or something. Is that new? Yeah, man. Cape Crusader style, man. So, <laughs> so yeah, man. So now many blessings to him, though. Hope all man, is well. So we got there, there's no shortage of things, man. Like, there's so many things that since the last time that we jumped on, man, coming back off the hiatus that you can get into. But here's the beautiful thing about the world of uh, politics and the political landscape. There's always something to get. No matter what happens, there's gonna be something. Always something, man. There's always and, uh, something, man. And, and yeah, more and more things change, the more they say the same sometimes too. So yeah, so let's get into it, man. Let's get into absolutely. it. Absolutely, man. So there's gonna be a, a few different things that are gonna hit both on the local St. Louis side, also you know, statewide, maybe a couple of little items that are affecting everybody on the bigger scale as well. Um, but first things first, um, you know, first of all, I want to congratulate you on the piece that you uh, submitted to the St. Louis American regarding um, the, the the candidacy of uh, Tashar Jones. Worked out well? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, man, I mean, it's incredible, man. And I mean, I really appreciate uh, everything. Uh, I'm excited to see what happens. Uh, she has already, uh, Mayor, let me make sure I put some respect on her name. Mayor Tashara Jones uh, is already become a force, uh, a force of nature within the in the political realm of St. Louis, St. Louis City specifically, but even connected and doing some things with St. Louis County, uh, and, and just incredible. And we've I, I can't remember the last time I've seen uh, a St. Louis City mayor, and uh, and let me just go ahead and throw this in here as well. U.S. Representative uh, Con- uh, Corey Bush uh, yeah. show up in different places in different spaces. Uh, for them to actually tour the 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 media security uh, jailhouse, uh, for them to secure the justice center. I mean, not secure, but to uh, to tour, uh, mm-hmm. to tour to get a first like real life example, like to see what's going on, to actually discuss and talk with the inmates, like with those in- how some people say caged citizens uh, to actually have conversations with them. That's and and it's, it's not that often. That's not that's not that doesn't happen on a regular. Uh, or at least make sure that people see that happening too. Uh, for them to already have discussions with the 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 uh, the water company here uh, in St. Louis City, that is one of the best we have. St. Louis City has some of the best water because of the process uh, that that takes place. So they recognize that this is extremely important. Uh, things like that. So and and hopefully we can get some more things going. That really does touch a lot of the residents, specifically on North City and North County uh, as well. So we shall see. I'm excited. Yeah, I think that I think that those are some of the things that you see right away in Mayor Jones's um, administration that's going to be different. You know, the fact that she's out front getting involved in things, throwing, you know, throwing her weight behind, you know, the things that are going on on a state level that impact St. Louis, too. I mean, I think that those are some of the things that really were. You talk about, you know, what was going on with the with the workhouse situation in St. Louis and whatnot. I, I think that one of the things that surprised, not, not surprising, that's the wrong way. But one of the things that stood out to me is how heavy handed she struck down with that and how how much and how immediately she followed up with the things that she said about the police headcount and things of that nature. I mean, there's a lot that has gone on, I think, that isn't necessarily getting just the wow factor that I think it might deserve. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so and this is one of the things that's, that's interesting, right? I had a conversation with a friend of my mother. Uh, so this gentleman is, is easily 30 plus years my senior. He doesn't live here anymore in St. Louis, but he owns a couple of houses and properties because of family still here. Uh, he lives like in Maryland. Uh, but he came and we had a conversation. He said, I'm so excited to see that Black folks finally got together and finally got the shower in, right? And I had to kind of like bust his bubble a little bit, like, uh, which black folks are you are you referring to? Uh, because when we look at when we saw certain elements, when we saw how a nice amount of the board of aldermen 
supporting Lewis Reed uh, before the primary. And even those who, those older people who won still were like, I don't like approval voting. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. But in the same voice, they still turned around and was like, oh, oh, well, congratulations to Char. Like, <laughs> congratulations. Like, but I don't like approval voting. So it wasn't just, it wasn't the elected Black people that got to Char and got behind to Char. Uh, again, I want to make sure I put respect on her name, Mayor Jones. Uh, it wasn't, it wasn't like that. And, and we see when, when things like when people see things like that, when the public say, wait a minute, I thought we wanted this person. I thought we was aiming or going in this direction, but our older person is not. Now I think that starts where people starting to wake up, starting to recognize the powers of an older person, uh, the abilities of an older person. And now some of them are, are, are being looked at differently because they did not support uh, now Mayor, Mayor Jones initially, uh, but then also like you said, how she came in and like, hey, police, hey, this police budget, these 98 positions is not that's been allocated for, but never filled. Yep, they gotta go. These, these positions have not been filled for several years. They gotta go. Uh so and 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 this goes back to when we discussed defund the police. Like a lot of people don't like that phrase. A lot of people don't like it. It means reallocation to other areas. So there will be a, a reallocation from the 98 positions that's not filled to social workers, to training, to other aspects of, of policing, other aspects of hopefully, hopefully safety, public safety. So, I mean, I think that's a good, you just went down two avenues I actually wanted to ask you about and kind of get your thoughts about that, because I know, I definitely know where you stand as far as, you know, the idea of defund the police, what that looks like. We've talked about that, you know, here, you can go back to some of the earlier versions of the show and, and, and hear some of our thoughts about that. But, you know, where does that reallocation get authorized through? Who's going to be in control of that money? Who's going to make sure that if it's taken away from the headcount, it's going to land where it needs to? Because, and the reason why I ask that is, is because I remember a few years ago when the vote happened to not fund the stadium for the Rams. But then at the same time, the tax, uh, the tax bill that was going to fund it got passed. And I was like, well, so where's this money going now? You know, so yeah. sometimes the two shoes don't drop together, you know? No, no, not at all, man. And that, I mean, you actually bring up a great question too. Uh, and it's interesting also. Uh, and so with that, I gotta, I gotta bring up uh, two different points. Uh, one, don't be surprised if people start saying, oh, the mayor got way too much power now. <laughs> don't be surprised <laughs> because it was, it was people, when people are, some certain people are in position of power then they want to make sure they have more power. So it was it, like at one point in time, the chief of police was voted on, but then it was like, no, 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 that should be something that the mayor appoints. Uh, the public safety director should be voted. No, 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 that's gonna be something that the mayor appoints. Now that we have uh, Mayor Tashara Jones in office, she now gets to appoint people like the public safety director, like the chief of police. And they now, she now gets this, they now can, she can, they can basically run her agenda if we want to call it that. Uh, and, and, and platform, platform, is her platform, gender platform. And here's what I even, and I want to make sure I bring this up too. Cause we look at it like where did, like you said, that, that heavy, like, wow factor, where did that come from? It came from, again, it wasn't just the, the elected black older people who, who didn't support mayor Jones, but it was the grassroots organizations. It was the community leaders. It was people like Kayla Reed with Action St. Louis, who, who led her organization and led uh, people. It was people like Blake uh, from, from Art City Defenders, who was leading certain efforts. Uh, Milton, Inez, several others who were leading the, uh, the, the, the bail project. Uh, that was, and all of them collaborating and was in coalition to closing the workhouse. Uh, you had people like my, my, now, my pastor, Reverend Michelle Higgins, who actually did the prayer at, at Mayor, Mayor Jones' uh, inauguration. Uh, who are leading these efforts? So these are these are now. Is this so? Why maybe it look like it's Mayor Tashar Jones' platform or agenda? It's really the people's agenda. It's really the grassroots organization's agenda that's being played out. Which is, and they've canvassed the neighborhoods. They've canvassed the city uh, from the north side to south side to hear and listen to people to see what they want. So this is what's also playing out. And I think Mayor Jones knows. I think she is very clear that she knows where where her help comes from. Yeah, in the biblical sense, right? And say so she knows where it, it came from. So that's one reason why she's like, yeah, it makes sense. But then also, again, Mayor Jones is 
probably to me one of the most uh uh diverse or or not even diverse i would say has has has, has seen quite a bit outside of st louis so she knows it's possible as well so it's just a matter of can she continue to lay out these 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 uh whether we want to call them progressive uh uh platforms and can they can she get people in st louis to those progressive platforms to get us across the finish line as well so i think that's a great point to bring up though is, is that we all know that obviously in politics i don't think it's ever been more you know in in modern times at least more separate you know more more polarizing right now than it's been at any point what does she need to still do to heed to not necessarily the other half but maybe those that aren't as far along her agenda as possible what are the things that she can do to kind of move st louis together as move it along as much as it can as a unified group yeah so um i would say stick to her word for real uh i would say because and this is one of the great things about this because we had approval voting if we did not have approval voting i'm not 100 sure if we would have a mayor to charlotte jones i'm not sure i would love to think so i would really love to think let's so. talk about that talk about that what did yes. you see because we, we talked about approval voting we talked about the difference and what it meant and how it would play out. What did you see in the process this time that was better, worse, something that might change as people get more used to what they're what they're dealing with in that form of voting? Like, what did you take yes. away from that process and how it benefited uh, Mayor Jones? So yeah, so uh, how we talked about how uh, when it comes to approval voting is pretty much based off of uh, who do you support like who would like uh, for the non-product the non-partisan primary that happened in march uh the non-partisan primary that happened in march we people who had a chance to be able to vote for as many people as they wanted to um non-partisan right so there actually was a republican that ran and if my memory serves me correctly uh the top two candidates then they the top two candidates didn't get to go on and run for the general election but uh the the republican guy he got like six thousand votes lewis reed who's seen more of as a moderate democrat got seventeen thousand votes but then kara spencer who is somewhat progressive got twenty thousand and tashara got twenty five thousand so to me that actually showed that there are more people in st louis city who actually want people who are considered to be progressive now mm -hmm. and whether we got where they would have been kara spencer or in my opinion even or to Charles Jones, St. Louis City, because, because they too got the most votes and they went on to the general election, I think we still would have had probably the most progressive mayor that we've had in St. Louis City in, in, in history. And it actually would have made her story, right? Like hers, like it would have been the, the know that a progressive woman wins because the, the votes were no longer split. So I think St. Louis City, uh, especially those who are still in St. Louis City, uh, are ready for progression, are ready for progress that is beyond just South Side progress. They really want that progress to be North Side and in the Central Corridor, uh, which is again, which is something that she uh, that, that that Mayor Jones did when it came to uh, the Central Corridor development. The the people who were who had development deals did not have community based agreements. Mm -hmm. uh, community-based agreement is basically saying that if I'm going to develop in this area, I'm going to make sure that certain metrics are met, that this is actually beneficial to the community. I'm not just coming in just doing a, a money grab or just setting something up and then hoarding the wealth. Uh, they didn't have it. So those deals got chopped. So again, I think it's things like that. People, are, people will understand that. And hopefully, my hope is that it attracts companies, it'll attract business owners, it'll attract entrepreneurs who want to work and develop and create uh, a city. That, that is focused on community development, community-based agreements, or community enrichment uh, as well. So that's my that's my hope. And I think there's enough people in St. Louis City, because that's what that's exactly like I said, that's what got shown, that was that was that was shown in the primary as well. So I do think that the I'm I'm interested to see the future of approval voting because I think that a lot of people, it kind of rolled out, and I think that people didn't necessarily completely understand what the process was going to be. Like I was talking with a lot of people about, no, this is what this means. You got the opportunity to do this. Anybody you believe in, you can do that. I'm really interested to see what it what it does for the future of elections in, in the city of St. Louis. 
like how it continues to to be leveraged and how people might change their campaigns based on it. Because I'll be honest, I mean, I think that Mayor Jones and Kara Spencer most certainly ran the most aggressive and effective campaigns. So it didn't surprise me that they were the two that moved on. However, the margins were substantial. I mean, the margins yeah. were way larger than I thought it was going to be. And I'm really curious to see how that changes the way that people go about future efforts to, to move forward in office. Yeah, especially if they understand it, right? Because I actually did, some, I was uh, working on a, at a polling place in the 21st Ward, and there was one candidate who was out there sharing information. They was like, literally, they literally were saying, this is in, during the primary. So again, you can vote for more than one person. But there was a candidate literally saying, hey, only vote for me. Don't vote for anybody else, right? That's, that's, and that's a particular mindset. Now, the thing is, that person won, right? So I, I can't say that it was bad. I'm not going to say it's negative. That person won. There were other candidates who was like, hey, if you, if you plan on voting, please vote for me also. Like also, you know, like the, every candidate to me has something different to offer the 21st mm -hmm. Ward in St. Louis City. Uh, but there's to, just to know that people are, people will wake up and, and real recognize or real realize, like, wait a minute, I actually have options. It's not just one person in March. Which is the point uh, of the entire, it's the point of the entire method, right? Is to say, yeah. you have options. You don't have to make an absolute right here. Like the easiest way I try to describe it to people is look at it like a tournament. It's a tournament mm -hmm. to decide who's going to be mayor. You know, so yeah. I mean, you get that opportunity to go in and really, you're not making your ultimate decision. That time will come, but you're going to yeah. get the chance to make a more whittled down, you know, mm -hmm. decisive decision from the people that you want to see be there. As opposed right. to some of the issues we had when we were breaking down the ballot back in November and we were just like, who are these people even? Well, I think yeah. that what it did is it gave you an opportunity to really get a chance to know who these people are. And to um, I think that in an environment that's not hindered by COVID, that's not hindered by some of the things that they had to, to navigate through this time, it's going to really mm -hmm. allow people to really put a lot more pressure on candidates and to go out to, right. these, to these town hall meetings that will return and to these events when they're in public and say, Hey, tell me for real what you're about. Let me know what this situation is really going to do and how it's going to benefit me and my ward and what it is that's going to happen in my backyard. So, right, right. And, I, and you know, and there's been some conversations. I would be really intrigued on how this operates in St. Louis County. Like, <laughs> I think this is that that'll make that that would definitely also be a game changer in St. Louis County. Um, because especially with the the how how dominant certain areas of, of I'm sorry, not, yeah, of St. Louis County are, you know, and, and to know that, uh, to know that we've had municipalities like threaten to leave uh, from, from, because of doing certain things like, or, or like when there was discussion about uh, uh, better together. Yeah. Yeah. The merger. Right. You know, and how was it, was it Chesterfield or they said uh, they was out. Yeah. Creed court. Like, like we out of here. We go join St. Charles, and that's a whole another conversation because, based off of the census as well, St. Charles is even more big. Is is even bigger now than St. Louis City, or population wise. St. Charles even have more population than St. Louis City. So that should be interesting to see how the borders and everything else get redrawn uh, as well. I'm glad hopefully you brought it that. Change too much, but hopefully, you know. I'm glad you brought that up, the census, because that's another topic that I wanted to get into. That has been something that's evolved. Um, you know, over the time in between some of the last conversations we've had, what do you think that, well, let me ask you this, you know, in a really easy way, did black people in St. Louis do right by themselves with their census involvement this year? Hmm. They do right. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm wondering what, what, what right, what I'm wondering what right means. <laughs> so I'll define, I'll define it for you. Let me dive into yes. it a little bit further. I think that for me, the census and the involvement in it and doing what you need to do is, is, is tantamount to what we say when we say go vote. It's making sure that you're accounted for. It's making sure that you're there. One of the places I think that we struggle, and it's because the census is so rare that it comes around, is, is that it's one thing for me to tell you why you need to be voting in local elections. You're going to have several opportunities to do that throughout the year, um, if not annually, biannually. There's a chance for you to get involved and to do that on a regular basis. The census is once a decade. So getting the message out now for whatever's going to happen in 2030 is a completely different ballgame. It's going to be forgotten. Other things are going to come up. 
we're going to have two other presidents by that time. It's going to be a whole nother, you know, sense of, sense of what's going on in the world. But I think that people are indifferent about the census to, a, to their own detriment. And when you start to look at how it means for votes and what it means for seats and what it means for, you know, the big picture of things, I think more people would get involved in it. And I personally say there's never a point where Black folks should not take every opportunity they have to raise their hand and be accounted for. But from some of the returns that I heard back about participation in the census, I don't know if Black folks did right by themselves with their involvement and their initiative in doing it. Yeah. So, no, I mean, you bring up an excellent point. And I'm one thing. Um, and can I correct I myself? I'll say R. I'm sorry. I said there. R in our involvement. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, and you know, when I when I look at when I'm I'm, I'm trying to piece some of the, the census data together now, uh, and seeing how certain states lost or will lose like congressional seats, that like that will make a difference when it comes to the presidential elections. Uh, when I think about how certain states uh, still have a lot of issues with gerrymandering, when when we still have uh, legislators who or redrawing the boundary lines. Mm -hmm. uh, I find that could be inter to be interesting uh, to know that there's a possibility of more of the Maryland Heights, Creve Corps, Ledoux area that could join the first congressional district, which is Corey Bush's district, right? That's a possibility. It is not solidified 100% yet. Uh, but to know that's a possibility, right? Like that shifts, that shifts uh, the, the power dynamics, that shifts the money dynamics in the first congressional district uh and does it shift it so heavy or does it shift it to where not a congressional two district which is mostly uh usually led by republicans is that open it up now for a chance of being turned to a democrat so it's, it's challenging to say to me it's always challenging to look specifically at when it comes to black people because we do move around we like our while we do have our, our older generations like usually you stick and stay, <laughs> they usually be around for 10, 15, 20 years in one area. I sure. mean, even I think of you and me, Matt, like I've been a St. Louis city voter and a St. Louis County voter in the last 10 years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, this is so, my first, this is my first time voting in St. Louis city. And it was a completely different experience. I'm actually glad that I was here to do it. It may be yeah, the only yeah. time that I'm a St. Louis city voter, but it absolutely yeah. was an interesting time to be here to do it. Exactly. So I think that the, when we look at the the the, the migration patterns uh, that that have happened or the the travel or whatever whatever case may be, uh, I think it, it's still gonna be. I think it's still challenging. It was. I did see a nice amount of undercount. I really would like to see what what the undercount like. Why like what what was the theory behind the amount of undercount that happened? Um, COVID definitely hindered yeah. and played a part for yeah. sure. Uh, because I mean, even my organization, we literally had planned on canvassing, knocking on doors. And when COVID hit, we were like, nope, name, that's not good anymore. Uh, I don't know. I heard again when we talking about Missouri, the the governors approved the amount of money to be used for the census. Uh, when you have places or, or how you had governors like California that actually spent seven times more uh, on the census for for per citizen. Mm -hmm. uh, seven times more per citizen on the census in California than our governor here in Missouri. Our governor, to a certain, he had a certain attitude, like if you get counted, you get counted. If you don't, you don't. Um, which I think, to me, shows that uh, when it comes to, again, power, you are talking about numbers. Numbers is power. Like, that's yeah. one of the things. Like, there's power in numbers. Missouri numbers, the nuts know that Missouri numbers did not change that much. Uh, if anything, they decreased. Missouri's population is decreasing. Um, and it's only go back, like, in, like I said, in 2030, if, if something doesn't change differently from 2020 to 2030, Missouri most likely will lose a seat. You know? the, and, and, and I don't know if you know this, I don't want to put you in the spot with it. When we talk about population decreasing, how much of an impact is that on the African-American community leaving the area? Is, is, is it, to me personally, I think it, I don't know the exact numbers. Um, I do know, again, I, I share this often, I do know that the, when it comes to the population of African-Americans in Missouri, we're 12% of the population, the total population, 12%, and when it comes to the voting population, we're 5%, mm -hmm. only 5%. So if there are more African-Americans who are leaving, so that's a whole other story, right? <laughs> we, 
when people talk about being on one accord and the, and the black vote, like we're not always on the same accord. Like literally we just saw how there was um, uh, people who were supporting Lewis Reed uh, and then there are people who supporting Tashara Jones. So uh, we are not always on one accord, uh, but to know that there are, when specifically the, when progressive black people leave, they normally we, like again. I look and again looking at our 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 generation. When we leave, we're I, we're not leaving to to black states. You know, like we like people are migrating to Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, they they move into different parts of Texas. Um, moving they, Charlotte, North Carolina. You know, what's like, the presence with the exception of Charlotte? Because it certainly hasn't changed anything in North Carolina. What do you think, though, is that the presence of people relocating from an area like this is doing for those areas? Because, I mean, Texas is yeah. teeter-tottering. Phoenix, yeah, Texas, Florida, you know, Georgia. Georgia, yeah. definitely. Yeah, um, and Florida, and Florida um, I believe, picked up um, electoral seats with this mm-hmm. census right here, whereas yeah. I believe Texas picked it up, Florida picked it up. And, you know, one thing that I think that we know is, is that if you looked at the recent returns, you say, oh, that's a rough time for, you know, for, for the Democratic ticket. That's going to be better for the Republican ticket in the national sense. However, we've started to see the tide shift in some of those states. And they've also yeah. been some of the states that have been the hardest on trying to change election laws, too, because they know yes. what's coming. And so they, they said the only, way that they, the only way that they can change these things and the only way that they can impact the fact they can't close the borders um, is, is that they can change the law, the rules once you get there. Right. So, yeah. So, no, I'm glad you brought it up. Like, so Texas actually got two new seats, uh, North Carolina, Florida, Montana, Oregon. I don't I don't I I hear people starting to go out to Portland. I, I, just, I hear people who start to go out to Portland. Yeah, are moving, and they move from California. Like people who are moving from California are going up, going up to Oregon now because uh, California is just the cost of living is just outlandish. Um, you know, New York, young, is, New York, New York, New York, that similar, that similar uh, uh, flight. Right. So and the fact that like we had seats lost by Illinois, Michigan, Ohio, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, New York, that's going to be major. Right. Uh, and but to know it's Florida. So it really does. That's why I think it really does. It's really important to understand what gerrymander, how gerrymandering impacts the rest of the entire country. Uh, if, yes, we got two new seats in Texas. Uh and I'm willing to bet it's probably on the outskirts of Houston or probably the outskirts of Dallas, but they Austin. chop it through them and draw them crazy. Um, I think Austin, I guarantee you Austin will have a big piece of that too. The people. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, so, and that's why, I, you know, I need to, uh, we need to reconnect with, uh, with, with uh, Texas state representative uh, Jasmine Crockett to see what's going to happen with that as well. To see how those, those things are changing. But I think, it, I think it does play a huge part when it's all said and done. Um, and, 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 <laughs> uh, case in point, case in point, when, uh, when, 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 uh, when Chairman St. Louis, recorder of deeds, uh, Mr. Mike Butler was on with us, he mentioned how he gets frustrated when he hear people say, oh, Missouri can be the next Georgia. Like, he, we need a Stacey Abrams. He gets, a, he gets frustrated by that. And I actually went ahead and did some, did a little math, did a little research. And I, it's amazing to me uh, because I hear, I've heard people say they want to be the next uh, Reverend uh, uh, Senator, U.S. Senator uh, Raphael Warnock. Like they want to be him or they want to be like uh, the other U.S. Senator Ossoff um, or they want to be like Stacey Abrams, right? And I looked at how many counties in Georgia are 20% or more African-American compared to Missouri <laughs> counties that are African-American. We got about three and a possible. Like we can't even go bold. <laughs> Georgia got over one hundred. Is it possible like a jack though, or is it a good <laughs> black jack? That's about, <laughs> man, like it's with 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 jokers high, like <laughs> jokers and deuces high. Like so, you know what you're gonna get. You know which ones you're getting. But other than right. that, you, you uh... yeah. But to know that to know that Georgia got over one hundred counties. Over 100 counties that has 20% or more African-Americans, right? So I think that does say something to when there is a nice amount of people, nice amount of African-Americans who have similar interests, who have similar philosophies, who have a desire to, to be, whether we want to call it progressive or whatever, uh, it does make a huge difference 
uh, in there. And in, in Missouri, we again, we got we, we got like three and a possible. So, you know, that's we, yeah, we got a, a long tough. way to go before we come Georgia. <laughs> yeah, it's, there's a long. Yeah, there's a long way. We got we got we've got some steps we need to hit before we clear that one. Um, yeah. One of those things being we look at the steps and we look at just kind of where the state of Missouri is at right now is, is that um, it, it, in a lot of regards, I think we're getting ready to see one of the craziest uh, Senate races that maybe we've ever seen in this state with some of the people that are popping up for this thing. and getting Absolutely crazy. Absolutely it. crazy. We, we are going to be. This is a, this to me is exciting. Only because we're going to have the focus on us like the world slash country. The country will be focusing on Missouri uh, because of the high profile foolery <laughs> that will be taking place. I want to yeah. say another F word, but my, I think my mom will watch it. So I want to go say foolery. <laughs> foolery. It's, one, it's one that I absolutely know that my opinion will have absolutely no part in making any part of the outcome be what it is. Uh, this is between them. I'll put it this way. This is going to yes. be them sorting their house out. But yeah, I agree. I think that Missouri is going to be one of the places that you're going to see one of the most down in the dirt fights between uh, who really is running the GOP of all. Yeah. Yeah. And to know, so, so we, we know already that um, the current uh, U.S. Senator, um, um, not, not Josh Hawley, I can't think of the dude's name. This is, I'm just blank. this is because you think they're all the same person. That's, that's why they all they, to me they might as well be because um, the way they vote and stuff. I want to I want to um, see how long this takes. I'm starting the clock. I know the name. I know the name. Blunt. Roy Blunt. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. I was gonna get yeah, a man. clock. I was good. We're gonna get a clock up on the screen for Dang. how long? Like, how long did, did Marco really legitimately right. not know who Roy Blunt was? Hey man, it's been a minute, man. It's been a long day, man. It's been a long week, and it's only it's only this day, whatever this day is, when y'all watching. It's been a long week. Um, <laughs> so, so uh, it's been it's been mentioned that Roy Blunt does not plan on running again. Um, he plans on retiring, stepping down. That's what people say. His seat is up in uh, in twenty twenty two. Somebody actually mentioned that he might reconsider, but who knows? That should be interesting too. But then uh, certain other people have come out the woodworks. Um, mainly, uh, one of Matt's favorite people in the world, oh, um, former U uh, former uh, Missouri Governor Greitens. You, that ain't the woodworks. He climbed out the coffin. <laughs> his his yeah. candidacy looks like the like the three minute mark of the Thriller video. The three minute mark of the. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's gonna be interesting to say the least, because what we actually do see, what we actually do see, and it's not just in Missouri, but I think this is why, this is going to be one of, to me, one of the test grounds for this. How much do, do the Trumpian candidates still have? Greitens was somebody who rocked with Trump, flat out, plain and simple. So it was- His whole US platform Senator. was based on that approach to politics. His whole entire approach, right? Uh, so it was U.S. Senator Josh Hollies. Okay, so will 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 Trumpism Republican is like solid being a Republican? Will that prevail? Uh, are people sick and tired of it, or or do people miss it? That's gonna be the question. I think, and I think it's gonna be one to test to see because we still see how it's so amazing how there are some well disappointing as well. Like when I think of people like Senator Lindsey Graham, who was completely like, oh, January 6th was terrible, was bad, shame on Trump, terrible, bad, I can't support him, I don't like him, and blah, 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 all that crap. And then now he's like, you know, Trump ain't that bad no more. We got we, we, we can't win without him. We can't win without Trump. Like he did a complete 180 um, on, on, on what happened on January 6th and his view of Trump. And somehow, Trump still got juice. I mean, he he like he like Frank White who went to jail, right? And still got the <laughs> he still got juice outside. <laughs> like he's still making moves. Like he's still maybe, making maybe he'll actually become Frank White before we all said and done. All right. I mean, he really will be the king of New York then, right? So we shall see. We shall see. That's, so about, that's, that's what he's always wanted, right? Yeah, like his daddy. You know, he always want to be like his daddy. 
It's nothing like his daddy, you know? So we shall see. And I think, um, and that's my thing. I actually do. I would like to. I, I, I just got to notice too that, um, that also that Mark McCluskey, McCluskey, I'm sorry, is, is entering the Senate race as well. So you want, you want to share who, for those who may not know, Oh like yeah, I'm sorry. Him I'm personally, sorry. so this like is they, they, they probably used him. They probably portrayed him on Halloween, perhaps. They I'm may sure, not yeah, know. I'm sure you know him from the meme. But this is the this is the, the the attorney that was waving the gun at the protesters and whatnot. He's now running for Senate too, as if so. Now we've got the corpse of Eric Greitens. We've got uh, we've got Mark <laughs> McCoskey. We've got potentially the specter of of Roy Blunt sticking around, and. Yeah. Who else knows what's going to happen out in the podunks who are going to step up and say that they need yeah. to be part of it, too? And this is yeah. before we even get to Kansas City and say, what's going right. on out on the west side of the state? Yeah, before we get to Kansas City. Or Springfield. Um, and I th- yeah, or, Springfield, you know, Columbia, the upper the up part of Missouri, uh, that, that people who, who can who can see Iowa from, Iowa from their front door type people. Like, <laughs> there's... <laughs> we have no idea uh, what's going to happen, man. I mean, this going to be... It'll be interesting. Uh, I think this could be also if the if the if the grassroots organizations across the state of Missouri actually work together and and, and figure out what are people really hurting about, um, yeah. what can they really win? So I think there will be, uh, and actually my organization and I have been doing work on dealing with Medicaid. Like uh, talk about this just real quick because over fifty three percent of Missouri voters said, yes, we want to expand Medicaid in November, over 53%. Um, or was that August? I can't even remember anymore, right? It's been that long. And then the Missouri House of Representatives said, oh, we know the voters voted yes on this, but we don't like it. And we don't believe rural Missouri actually voted on this. Although one out of three rural Missourians actually said yes, but we're not gonna pass. We're not gonna provide the funding for Medicaid to be expanded. So then it goes over to the Missouri Senate. And the Missouri Senate was like, oh, is the ball in our court? Um, nope, we don't want it. Here, Governor, we, we, not go, we also are not going to provide funding for something that the Missouri voters voted yes on. Right. So then the U.S. Gov- the, the Missouri Governor, Missouri Governor Parsons, uh, is saying that, hey, you know, if, 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 the, if, the, if the legislators don't want to fund for it, I'm not going to sign for it. Which is actually against the law, <laughs> which is actually against the Missouri Constitution. Well, I don't think that he a knows anything about that, or b care could care less about it. Um, Can care less. I get really care confused less. about exactly what Mike Parsons, not his purpose, because I know I know how I feel about that. I get really confused about exactly what his agenda is. Yeah, protecting yeah. police officers. So you and you would think it would be protecting police officers. Right, but they also, the Senate also just passed a bill that Parsons could sign or veto, possibly a, a law that says law, local law enforcement does not have to follow the U.S. federal laws around guns. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so, Missouri Missouri seeming more and more like a place that's going to stay pretty regularly in front of the Supreme Court. Missouri is becoming not just the, 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 the that we know they used to say you know was the, the Midwest right I feel like Missouri's becoming the middle finger to like laws like what that's a that's a law a federal law middle finger to that like I don't it's just a, a certain boldness and audacity may I don't know I don't know what, I don't know where they get this from I don't know how they become the they this type of mindset I really don't. I mean, well, there's, I, you know, I, I, I feel very strongly that there's two Americas right now in every possible way. It might actually honestly be closer to four or five Americas right now. Yeah. But, um, but in Missouri, there is very clearly one version of it and then a completely different version of it, which is sad because it's why, you know, I think people talk about let's go back to the thing we said about the we need a Stacey Abrams and stuff like that. When these Senate seats come up, it's going to have absolutely nothing to do with the things that we're talking about and like the concerns right. we have, there is no chance that I see. And I would love to be wrong about this. I don't yeah. see any way that there's a democratic or a progressive or a liberal, however you want to, however you want to categorize it, an opposition to the GOP that's going to get over and have any chance at that seat. No, no, I, I, I as of right now, I don't see it. 
I don't see anyone that that is that is countering all any of the Republican talking points. Like abortion is bad, guns are great, and government is bad, and Democrats are government, so they bad too. Like I don't see nobody saying anything that 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 resonates with enough people. Um, like to for people for people to literally say, uh, oh, like socialism is bad. Socialism is terrible. Socialism is horrible. Oh, where's our Medicaid? At? Or, or not Medicare, our Medicare? Like I'm a senior now. Where's my Medicare? Like we're oh, we the fact that we have a National Guard, we have a Missouri National Guard. Like we don't have to, we don't have well, it should not be utilized like as a private army, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but like that's part of social, like that's part of being social, having social nets, social, mm-hmm. social, social safety nets. Having a Missouri National Guard, I went ahead and got the vaccine. Didn't really want to, but I got it anyway. And I got it at the Delwood Recreation Center. You know who gave my shot, Matt? Uh, Missouri National Guard. <laughs> and I think they've administered more shots than anybody in the state of Missouri now at this point. Exactly. Social services. Like, so I think it's going to take, I don't know what type of, 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 of background. I don't know what type of connections. That's the thing, man. I don't see anyone that's developing connections and and that's that's the only thing that i wish like i, I wish a lot of things that could have been different i wish obama uh when he lost missouri by less than four thousand votes really would have continued to develop and, and craft organizations here throughout the rural areas um and and i wish the dnc didn't just give up on missouri uh because i think that's this is where we at like so it's gonna take so with that being said i do have a nice amount of, of faith um, and, and like, for example, Chairman Mike Butler, uh, who does have a good understanding of, of how to connect the people across the, the across, uh, across the, across different areas, uh, the executive of the Democratic Party, Randy Dunn, actually had a conversation with him, uh, and he has an amazing, amazing, uh, resume, uh, ex- as well as, a previous, uh, legislation experience, so we definitely, you know, would love to have him on. Uh, but he also understands that that we got to be more like he understands that the Democratic Party has to be more than just the name Democrat. Yes, that's and I, true. And that now there's yeah. a, there, that now now that would be a whole nother hour for us to a go down that path because we 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 certainly see we both believe in that and believe in it in different ways too. So I I you know I think that maybe we book we bookmark that for next time because I think that, that it might be time for that conversation to happen. And I think that a conversation like that happening does require a Mike Butler or, you know, someone else who's plugged in there. Because here's the thing. I would love for Mike to come on and tell me why I'm wrong about believing that about the Senate seat. I, I, I don't know. I know that the people I see popping up, there's a couple of things that can happen here. I'm going to go into my world for a second. I'm going to go into the sports world for a second here because yes. I see this happen all the time. So you'll have two guys on one team that are having phenomenal seasons, right? And what happens is, let's use the Heisman Trophy, for example. They're both up for the Heisman. Neither wins it because they divide the vote on very important things, very small things, I should say. Maybe one person believes the quarterback did more. Maybe one person believes the running back did more. They're more important, so they should get the vote. And then that ends up canceling those people out. And then what that ends up happening, allowing happen is somebody else comes in and then it's like, oh, my God, how'd that guy win? Well, because you, you all were worried about between these two people. Now, here's the thing I don't know. I don't know if there's a viable Republican candidate that's going to come in who's not one of these, you know, the, the, the corpse of Eric Greitens or, or, you know, or the Halloween character that's the McCuskey. But, you know, maybe I don't foresee that guy making the run. He's more like a Rudy, it feels like to me, in, in sense of somebody that could go up. I don't quite understand how Eric Greitens is back, but money talks and, you know, people believe in that whole thing. But in this new wave of the Republican Party, who is the Republican, the old fashioned GOP candidate, as opposed to the MAGA candidate, influence candidates that are still out there? I think that Missouri is going to be the, is, is to the big point we made at the beginning, I think that Missouri is going to be one of the biggest areas where you see the fight within the GOP play out that could end up leveling them entirely. So maybe Missouri's, you know, the other half of the aisle does have a shot for this. And I, I'm just not convinced on it yet. Yeah, no, me either. I mean, so I kind of look at it very similar. I compared Missouri uh, 
in the, in the in the nation similar to each other because we had we had Trump who was utterly like ridiculous and radical. Um, definitely got parodied on SNL. I even told people stop laughing. This ain't funny. Like this dude is gonna win because of because he's good for media. Yeah. He's good for media. Yep. Um, and then his vice president Pence is not that good for media. That's why like the fly that landed on his head during the debate got more attention. But than, Pence is the type of Republican that wins Missouri. Exactly, right? So that's what I was gonna say. So therefore you had a Greitens who was that radical Republican that, that people looked at, would make fun of now. Like he got that, he got that type of attention now. But then you had Parsons, who's like the Pence. Parsons and Pence are, are that old guard GOP, that that's stable, that's that that's that's you no know, stability, right? Like the Parsons and Pence are are the friends that go to college with you that your mama liked. Like your mom be like, oh, you going to college? I'm concerned. But oh, Pence and Parson with you? Okay, good. Go ahead, baby. Go to college, right? Like, <laughs> like, go ahead. Like, they're I like, know going, wild they're like going to go Sunday ahead. school. Even if it's not for you, you feel like you're on the right track being there. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, so who so so therefore, I don't know if Parsons grooming anybody, you know, to, to our support or who 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 will Parsons put his support behind? I mean, that's gonna be one of the questions as well. And we know to my understanding, Parsons and Greitens definitely. I mean, they already been going at it. Like, Greg's been, they got Twitter beef, mm-hmm. you know? Like, so, so we, we gonna see. We will we'll see what happens next, <laughs> you know? So it's, it should be like exciting. And I don't, and I don't know, that's nothing. I don't know who in Missouri on, or the Democrat Green Party or anyone, I don't know who is, is formulating a coalition of people across the state. Um, I think they could, especially with this Medicaid not being respected and not being voted on, and the fact that this will have to go to the courts, which will also cost Missouri money, right? The, so there's a I lot mean, of things I think that if somebody wanted to step into the zone and make a stand against the establishment, if you will, they could succeed in Missouri. I think one of the things could be, you know, the stance that Mike Parsons took that's been, I think, adopted in 19 Republican-led states now uh, regarding the unemployment benefit that's still in play where they're yes. stripping that stripping that in June. And, um, you know, that's something that I think there's a lot of, there's a lot to that. You know, there's a lot yeah. to it that I think that it's not as nuanced as either red or blue or whatever in between. That's a topic that goes in a lot of different directions. But it's a lot of different place, directions. It's, it's a place that if you wanted to rally the support of people who are potentially not usually on your side politically, that's it. That's a yeah. place that you can go yeah. to and say that he didn't support you directly when you needed it most. Here's what I will do. You know, that's the then, point. Yeah. And, and, and that's make, a crack in the ice where you start to open up more opportunities to talk about more things. And I think that you could kind of pick and choose what side of the aisle that you're on right now. So I think it's yeah. a really, really important place for people that do hold an elected seat right now to pay attention to what they're voting for. Pay attention to what they're excited about, because there might be people who just aren't rocking the boat because they intend to do something bigger later on. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, man. I think you bring up an excellent point um, when it comes to the fact that we are now like there's way more conversation than ever about about uh, a universal basic income more than ever. There's yeah. more than ever. Unfortunately, it took a pandemic for us to get to this. Uh, but there are way more people well, discussing the about pandemic it now. stripped the protections away from individuals and companies and everybody was just laid out there like this is what you got. Right. So right. And if, and if we look and if we looking at history, if we looking at uh, from from when we had this when America was impacted by the Spanish flu, uh, the, the Great Depression wasn't that was like maybe a decade later. Yeah. You know, so so I, I pray and hope that our our our, our leaders, our political leaders, our economists. Uh, I hope they have have a better understanding of how to prevent uh, a, a Great Depression uh, after a pandemic that direct. I mean, and we I've been in discussions with everyday people about the inflation, about hyperinflation, about how we there's. This will sound real. I, I don't even want to say this out loud. There's a chicken shortage right now. It's chicken like people can't find the chick. <laughs> it's not that. Now you feel like now it sounds like you're on the scenario. That's this is all right, that's right, right, right. But people are like, it's a milk shortage, right? It's like it's a gasoline shortage. Like all of a sudden, we don't have the the basic necessities uh, 
And that's going to start, that's going to start impacting other aspects of life. Uh, and I, so that being said, I think whoever also navigates that, that rough sea of, of economic ups and downs, uh, whoever comes out as a victor or come out as somebody who was there for the people who made resources available or brought resources uh, to St. Louis, to St. Louis, to Missouri, whoever does that, I think has a, has, has a better, the best chance to show and prove and say, hey, when when the rest of the America uh, was in a shortage, I brought resources. I was the there connect. Was I was the plug. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, as it, as the month comes up closer, I believe that that unemployment benefit is going to be suspended in June, early June. Um, it's going to be eradicated essentially at that point. Uh, I definitely want to come back around to that and talk about that, and I think in more of a roundtable format because there's a lot of things to that. And I know that uh, we've got some positions we want to talk about it here on the program. Yeah. Um, before we wrap up today, though, um, you know, I one of the big things that happened in in, in Missouri politics this week was um, the, the the passing of the bill to limit police use of chokeholds and sending it to the governor's desk. Um, the reform it was approved one forty to four. I mean, I, yeah. and, and and I was just like that stunned me that that yeah. was the outcome yeah. because. For all the things that we've talked about already, to see something that's that just there's either you're for that or you're against that on a on a larger level, and for that to come from this state, that confused me. So I'm hoping that maybe you can tell me yeah, why man. that actually happened. So so I want to make sure that I give a lot of credit and respect to to Missouri State Senator Brian Williams, <laughs> and yeah. and and him working on crafting this. Um, I honestly don't know how I feel about it yet, right? Um, because when I think of like a chokehold, well, like I don't know how many choke. I got to research and find out how many chokehold deaths we've had by police in Missouri. Mm -hmm. It's usually not a chokehold. It's usually some bullets, right? So how much of a reform is this? Is this saying I'm asking? I do not know. Is this just saying, oh, what is one this one way? That police have been killing people. We're not going to do that no more. And it's, it's also the least way. It's not like it's like it's what is it like chokehold, getting ran over by a car, bullets to the back. Like I don't really know like where they rank, right? I honestly yeah. don't know. So I don't want to take away from this effort. Um, but I think it's important to understand, and I and I really can't wait for Chris to come back through, and especially for uh for for Brian to come on and be able to explain like detail, like it's more than just the what is a bill? How does a bill get passed? Right. It's, it's more than just a little cartoon. It takes a lot of effort yeah. to get something introduced, to get it read, to get it reread, to get it perfected and all those other aspects to be something that actually says, yes, people well, like you and, said. And, and there were and yeah. there were a number of things that uh, that that went into that. But I'm glad you say that, because over the next couple of weeks, we are going to have Senator Williams join us here on the program to talk through the bill, talk through what it means, some of the processes that are in place, some of the hopes that he has for it. Um, is one that he's, you know, definitely made to be one of the signature parts of his um, his time serving the state. Um, you know, there, yeah. there were some complications with it. Um, I know for a fact that the uh, governor threatened to veto the bill if it would have kept in a provision that would have uh, given lawmakers the power to issue subpoenas towards requiring people to testify before a legislative um, committee. Right. You know? Right. So, and, you know, and then and also also in the bill, this is what I find interesting, because, again, I learned this from having a conversation with Randy Dunn of how. Kansas City does not have control of their police department. Mm -hmm. So in, in that reform bill, the uh, Kansas City, uh, basically this, this, this reform bill says, officers don't have to live in Kansas City to police Kansas City. I think that was probably one of the selling features. Uh, yeah. and, and recognizing that St. Louis just got control of their police of like maybe 10 years, I gotta check, like maybe 10 years ago, like, yeah. so the concept of like, and that's one thing I've learned when doing, when we did conversations across the state, the, the, the term local control. When we talk about local control in like, in rural areas, usually talking about farms. Like can a farmer actually have control of his farm and not have to be forced to use certain seeds from certain companies? That's mm -hmm. local control. We talk about local control in St. Louis, Kansas City. We're talking about our police department. Can we actually be controlled? Can we actually, so, it, it, and it's incredible to see um, how people feel about, we talk, I think we talked about this, how do we feel about people who don't live in the city policing the city? Yeah. And this, this bill says people who don't have to live in Kansas City 
in order to be policing Kansas City. Yeah, so and, and, I don't know and, how. And and you know yeah. what? And it, it also is a good idea, a good thing for me too, because I do actually have some contacts in Kansas City who have reached out and said, you know, are interested to talk about what some of these things mean on the Western side of the state and things like that. So we'll be welcoming them on the show as well to get a little bit more of a feel, I think, for what it is that's going over there, because obviously everything that we talk about is going to lean heavier on the St. Louis end of things, but there's a lot more to, uh, to, to politics, to black, the emphasis as on black folks and just what happens in Missouri. Um, some of the other things that I found in the bill that, that were interesting to me that were uh, additional reforms that are kind of in play around this entire thing is the decriminalization of HIV the creation of a use of force database, which I think is an important step towards what you're talking about with yes. the issue of, uh, you know, saying we stop one thing, but what are we doing about probably what the big thing is? And right. um, that what's being called an affirmation of a prosecutor's ability to reconsider cases when evidence emerges proving innocence. That's a big, big thing. That's huge. That's, That's huge. huge. That's huge. And I, I will quote the uh, St. Louis City, I'm sorry, the St. Louis County prosecuting attorney, Wesley Bell, who says that until now, a prosecutor in Missouri had no way to present evidence of innocence to a court. Um, in some cases, that led to grievous injustices and that this law is a step in the right direction. So, yeah. you know, I, I think that it goes back to the thing we talked about before, about when bills come to the table, about look at everything that's in it. Because everything. What the, what the headline is might not very well be what the real meat of it's going to be and what right. the biggest impact that comes of it could be. So, um, definitely looking yeah. forward to having Senator Williams on to talk about that, to walk yeah. us through, you know, some of the decisions that were made and are going to be happening with that. Um, was talking with his office, talked with him and talked with his office over the last couple of days. And that's going to be something mm -hmm. that's going to be getting on his calendar. Exactly. Cause it's actually, yeah. I mean, cause there's actually several different bills on a local level, state level, uh, but on a national level. Right. Uh, and I think it's just really careful. We got to be really careful and make sure we read these things. Uh, the fact that we're saying, like a lot of the a lot of enthusiasm about the chokehold, right? No chokeholds. It came from George Floyd. Mm -hmm. George Floyd was not killed by a chokehold. Yeah. You know, so and, it doesn't, so, you know, so. We and have to and be you know what? And I'm glad said, you said George Floyd because I intentionally didn't bring that up this show because I want to have a bigger conversation about yes. that. That would, that's almost going to be a special episode that we have dedicated to that, to the Derek Chauvin yeah. trial, to all the things that came of that. That's a topic that's too big for to be yeah. no, within one program. But that's the awesome thing that I feel about this show, having it back on its on its on its regular so glad schedule back. and getting into play here because there's no shortage of things for us to get into and talk to. Never a dull um, moment. Yeah, absolutely not. So uh, what else, man, before we get out of here, what else is on your chest? What else you've been involved in? Uh, I know you've been advertising a few things that you sent my way on Facebook. What's coming up that you know people need to know about, need to be involved with here in the uh, St. Louis area? Yeah, man. So uh, my my literally my 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 job, my daily job is to work with congregations and people of faith uh, in in the midst of in the matter of politics or political things. Uh, a lot of people say, you know, church and state need to separate, right? Separation of church and state. Uh, I just let people know that uh, the church is protected from the state. State is not protected from the church. So as church leaders, as congregation leaders, as pastors, clergy, uh, we can definitely put pressure on our, our representatives and our senators. So we actually are organizing to uh, work with congregations to actually have uh, meetings, uh, in-person meetings or either Zoom meetings of, with their district representatives. Uh, so that's one of the things that's, that's people we're gearing up. We already have several congregations who are interested. If, you got, if anyone uh, is interested, definitely reach out to me, uh, demarco at mcustl.com. Uh, definitely reach out. And uh, we are working with congregations because that's one of the things that we've continued to see uh, is that a lot of people do not know if, if they do know who the person is that represents them it may not have a relationship with them if you don't have a relationship with them then there's going to be a lot it's going to be more challenging to actually uh just provide input right or either hold them accountable so that's one thing that we're looking forward to and and i and majority of the time a lot of, of the representatives are excited uh to actually meet people uh, especially during the summer and i think as the world kind of opens back up uh, we'll have more like probably in-person meeting, probably even outdoor or at least still, you know, separated events. Uh, so that's one thing. That's one of the big things. Uh, we also are uh, uh, we're starting to have uh, organizing training. Uh, so those who may be interested in learning how to organize, learning how to develop the one-on-one -on -one relationships with people, uh, the, the having the how to have effective meetings, how to develop teams, things of that nature as well. 
Uh, we starting to do that too on, on a very local basis. Uh, so we just excited to see what's coming up with that. Uh, so those are the, those are the two main things uh, as well. And I do know for those who might be interested, there are uh, some paid opportunities with other organizations uh, to collect some signatures on some aspects around reforming St. Louis as well. So if anybody is interested in that, hit me up and I'll be sure to make connections with anybody who, who look, may be looking for, you know, who don't want to return, who don't really don't want to return to that uh, fast food joint and want to make at least $15 an hour or something like that. Uh, hit me up. Absolutely. Yep. Well, hey, everything that you can do to rally the voices of people comes a lot yes. of different ways, you know, and you, you can always make your voice heard and you can always follow out. So with that, yep. man, we're going to go ahead and bring it home. But, um, you know, hey, definitely. Hey, we're going to be hoping that we get uh, Chris in the fold next week. Yes, no, man. No, no emergencies. No emergencies pop right. back up. Um, send out the bat signal to- a little earlier, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's all good. Yeah, Chris is Chris somewhere lifting a car up with one arm right now. Saving some right, life. one arm. But right. uh, we're really excited about some of the people that we've uh, got lined up. You know, um, definitely not going to come back and just, you know, creak into the room. We're going to come in and make some noise, have some good voices. Yes. And- across the city, across the state, uh, I think they're going to really add a lot to the conversation. So um, as always, you can find Politics as Usual and every other program we've got going on on the SOLC Network. Follow us on Facebook at SOLC Network. Follow us on um, Instagram at the same tab. Um, You can uh, find later, hey, we just dropped a new episode of The Scenario. We've got a new episode of We're Coming For You. There's always something else that we're bringing out here. Um, But yo, We appreciate you staying locked in with us here. I'm Matt. That's DeMarco. We'll catch y'all next time around the bend. Peace. Peace.